Welcome to the Wine or Milk podcast, where we rewatch and review movies and media from our childhood and decide if it aged like wine or like milk. I'm Jess. And I'm Kyle. And today we are going to be reviewing one of my favorite childhood movies, which is what I say every time. Maybe I have too many childhood favorites. Well, yeah. But that's the point. It's a nostalgia review. We're reviewing what we loved. I guess if we didn't like it, we'd have problems. Yeah. Anyway, we're watching Mrs. Doubtfire today. Good choice. I'm pretty excited for this one. I don't know. I think I probably watched it last, maybe once in college. Yeah, that feels right for me as well. Like, I don't think I watched it alone recently. I think I was probably like with other people and it was just kind of on because I don't remember really absorbing it when I watched it last. Either way, I'm excited. I feel like I know parts of this movie line for line, though. In in that case, you're definitely more familiar with it than I am. My dad loves Robin Williams. So we watched a lot of his movies when I was a kid, but we didn't like rewatch them a ton. So I've maybe seen this movie two or three times in my life compared to some of the other movies we watched, which is like a hundred times. So I'm not really super familiar with this one. I am super excited for this one. The little girl is so cute. I remember she says, what's amoebic dysentery? Because he says, I hope your mom catches a big dysentery. Yes. And uh, he's like pissed because they got divorced. And she, yeah. she's so little, so innocent. Her brother's like, it's when you get diarrhea forever and die. <laughs> she goes, diarrhea forever. <laughs> so good. Can you imagine? Like, you're pissed off at someone like, I hope you get diarrhea forever. That would be, be terrible. really terrible. It would be really terrible. I don't. I don't remember a ton about it. I'm excited to watch it. I think one of the things that stuck out to me when I saw it when I was a little kid is, like you said, Robin Williams and his wife get divorced. And I was a child of divorce. And so I usually liked media that portrayed it Mm -hmm. because my experience with divorce was so different. My, My parents' divorce was super amicable. And so like literally the exact opposite of this movie in every way. And so I always liked seeing how my experience differed. So... That's one thing that I remember about this movie is they really have a nasty split up. Yeah, and she doesn't want him seeing the kids basically at all. I forget. I think something happens that like escalates it. So she he's unable to see the kids and like the social worker has to like observe him with the kids. But then he tries to circumnavigate the court order and he dresses like he notices that she's trying to hire like a housekeeper and a babysitter. So he gets his buddy uh, that's involved in, I think, Hollywood to like literally make him look like an older woman. Yeah. Which is, I mean, like, oh my God, what a plot. Every once in a while, I think about the elevator pitch that a movie probably had when it was getting made. And I'm like, how the hell did this ever get made? How did anyone say yes to this? In no way, shape or form do I have that feeling about Mrs. Doubtfire. What a tremendous pitch. Yeah, I would like to make a movie where the dad in the movie wants to see his kids, but he's not allowed. So he poses as their nanny to spend time with them. Fantastic, fantastic plot. Brilliant. I just love everything about the one scene I'm thinking about in particular, trying to remember it. It's like the social work lady is coming over to inspect his house, but he's still like half in Miss Doubtfire clothes. And then his, like, mask falls out and gets run over. So he's, like, freaking out because she's trying to come in the room. And he's like, my face is still 
my actual face. So he yeah. sticks his face in cake. He's like, it's a meringue mask. Yeah. I like, know exactly hello. what you <laughs> That's the what sticks out to me is that beautiful hello. Oh, kills me every time. I'm so excited to watch this. Yeah, it's pretty good. And I mean, Robin Williams, what a treasure. It'll be super exciting to watch a movie with him. Given the movies we watched, he might be the best actor we've seen yet. Oh, yeah. And I think he is what makes this movie so wholesome and wonderful. And I think that's why it's going to age like wine. I think if another person did it, it might be like kind of kitschy or I don't know. I just think he's just so genuine and wholesome that that shines through in his performance. Like a dad just really wanting to be by his kids. You yeah. know, thinking back at Robin Williams movies, he performs that role in a lot of different ways and does a really great job with it. Mm -hmm. Like Mrs. Doubtfire for sure. But then, you know, he's kind of a patriarchal figure in Goodwill Hunting and similarly in Dead Poet Society. I think he just kind of kind of fits that role really well. Mm -hmm. um, and like you said, it makes it wholesome and endearing, whereas potentially other actors might not be able to bring that same level of like wholesomeness, for lack of a better word, uh, yeah. to the to the performance. Well, even in the scene with, I'm thinking about, I think it's the opening where he's doing the voice acting for the cartoon. That's like his job. Yeah. The, the cartoon character is smoking a cigar or something, and he like goes off script. It's like, oh, my lungs yes. are getting filled with smoke. And yeah. like he's even like, I don't want kids watching this and glorifying smoking. So I think you already said this, but it sounds like you think it's going to age like wine. I think it's going to age like wine. I also want to say the one thing I remember from it, too, is Pierce Brosnan's in it. And he's like the new lover of the mother. Mm. And Interesting. that causes, do you remember this? It causes like a dynamic and like Mrs. Doubtfire hates the new boyfriend. Yeah. I mean, I remember that being at play. I didn't remember that it was Pierce Brosnan. That's pretty cool. Sally Field is the mom. I remember that, too. And yeah, I I don't really remember this movie a ton. But especially as you've been talking, I'm getting flashes of it. I think it's going to age pretty well. I think it's a good family movie or a movie about a family mm -hmm. that's accessible and familiar. And I, I'm struggling to think of any part of it that would age poorly. Like maybe, you know, maybe some gender role stuff in here probably could be I can there. See that. But if I remember correctly, the mom was like, the breadwinner, right? Yeah, she was making all the money, and that's why she needed to hire someone to watch the kids. Yeah, so, like, maybe that won't be at play as much, but I think overall, I would be pretty surprised if this didn't age pretty close to wine. I don't think that I can remember enough stuff that was so, like, gendered or something that it would bring this down to a milk. Yeah, I'm excited to watch it. I can't wait. I'm going to probably be cracking up the whole time. So, Mrs. Doubtfire was directed by Chris Columbus. It was starring Robin Williams, Sally Field, Pierce Brosnan, Harvey Firestein, and Robert Prosky. Music by Howard Shore. And it came out in 1993, right around Thanksgiving time. Yeah. And it's exactly two hours long. Ooh, not bad. I think that's like the perfect movie length. This might be the longest movie we've watched for this. I'm excited. Let's go see if it aged like wine or if it aged like milk. Wait, hold up. This is based on a book? Oh my goodness. Alias Madame Doubtfire. I had no idea that this was based on a book. That's pretty cool. Oh, that's another one of my favorite scenes is when he sees the ad, but he wants to place a bunch, like have a bunch of people call that are like people that are no contenders. So he just like poses as a bunch of like crazy people. Mm -hmm. Finally, he calls as his leading lady, Mrs. Doubtfire, and it 
makes his interview shine and stand out, you know? I kind of remember it, but I know it's probably going to be fantastic because Robin Williams is a phenomenal character voice actor. Oh my god, there's one, he's like, don't make me get the hose! And he's like, get back in your cage! (laughs) So bad. Oh my goodness. So Uh, maybe that part might age like wine. Or excuse me, like milk, depending on how it's... True, true. But the overall overall arch, I think, is going to be wine. Wow, I just, I'll just keep going if we don't stop, because all these things are coming back to me, and I'm, like, smiling to myself. So we should just cut it here, go watch the movie, and figure out how it aged. I'm excited. Okay, wine or mouth, let's go. So I laughed basically the entire movie. I don't think I laughed at all. I didn't laugh a single time. That was a milk for sure. Don't think we really need to discuss it. I know the like one person probably listening to this doesn't know you're lying. <laughs> But you can't gaslight me. I was sitting next to you and you were cracking up. I was. I was cracking up. It was great. Oh, man. It was great. It was so fun to watch. It really was. Oh. I mean, the entire cast is honestly a gem. Robin Williams is obviously amazing and we knew that going into it. But some of the supporting actors, too, like Sally Field. Sally Field nearly stole the show for me. I mean, it was very obviously Robin Williams movie, but... Wow, we did she do great. Oh, I love her. I, I think I appreciate her more as I get older as well. Yeah, it's one of those movies. This has been happening to me a lot as I age where I watch old media and characters that I used to super identify with or other characters that I used to super dislike. I start flipping on. I think mm-hmm. a great example is Skylar from Breaking Bad. Now that I'm older, my view on her has changed entirely. And I feel like uh, Sally Field in this movie is another character. At first, I was like, oh, my God, how could she? But as an adult, I was like, you go, girl. Yeah. I would say my, like, Skylar, I always kind of sympathize with. But I think I definitely super sympathize with Sally Field in this movie. Yeah. It, it's more just like my my view on it changed as I've gotten mm-hmm. older. And I have, like, a different perspective on life. Because when I was a kid, I was like, yeah, let's just, like, dance on the table all the time and have a petting zoo. Why would you ever be mad about oh, that? Oh my god. I wanted that birthday party he threw for Chris like my whole life. To have a whole petting zoo come to my house and ride a pony in my house. Like that was my dream. The really funny thing about that is where you grew up and where I grew up that would be super acceptable. But they were in the middle of San Francisco. There was not room for all of the stuff they had going on. There was just like ducks in the middle of the street that was wildly irresponsible. My favorite part is too, he wasn't even chaperoning it. He was like participating in the movie. There was like no, or in the party, there was like no adults at this party. It was hilarious. Yeah, because he's a child. I think that's pretty well established. No, I know. It was just like how they nailed that. It was, <laughs> oh, it was so good. But uh... circling back though, all-star cast, Robin Liam, Sally Fields, Mara Wilson, who's little Matilda in the future. She was great. Phenomenal. Only six years old in this movie. Good old Matthew Lawrence. Some brotherly love out there. Yep. Love him. It's good to see him as a young little kiddo. And I really liked Lisa Jacob, who played Lydia. Mm-hmm. I really, really liked her. I thought she actually did a fantastic job. Well, I think she crushed it. Like, I think it was a very realistic portrayal for oh, a yeah. teen. Yeah. Like, really, really re- realistic. I think that's one of the things that stuck out to me the most in this movie. How they wrote almost all the characters was super realistic. The way people reacted, their 
approach to certain problems. It was so realistic. I was never like shaking my fist at the screen being like, how dare you do this thing? Or like, that's so unrealistic. Or why aren't you just talking to one another? Like it was very realistic. Mm, I agree. Anyway, after that little uh, tangent we just went on of of love, I guess, uh, give us a rundown. Yeah, I mean, it was too hard to not just like dive in. It was so exciting. Speaking of exciting, this movie started so exciting. What an opener. We've been watching a lot of older movies, so they've all had the opening credits. Far and away, this was the best opening credits. Oh, hands down. Damn. What a masterpiece. They could have released just that as like a short film and it would have won awards. I'm going to go watch the clip of the opening like right after we finish this recap. So yeah, the movie opens uh, with Robin Williams. What is his character's name? Daniel. Daniel Hillard. Daniel is a voice actor. So he's doing a voiceover for a children's cartoon, kind of a throwback reminiscent of Tom and Jerry. Yeah, it's like Pudgy the Parrot and a cat. Yeah. And so he is starting with that amazing Figaro song bit, which was oh, stellar, crazy good, really impressive. Robin Williams is a just absolute gem. Uh, but then the parrot starts smoking a cigar. And as you said in the, <laughs> in the opener, he ends up quitting on a, making a principled stand, doing a little bit of improv and then quitting on a principled stand for not showing a child's cartoon character smoking, which... Mm-hmm. Good for him. He calls it morally irresponsible. Yeah. And so he picks up his kids and they're all like, you got fired again. He's like, no, I quit. And this is when the absurdly over the top petting zoo birthday party happens. The kids remind Daniel, (laughs) their dad, that their mom did not want a big party for their son, Chris. Uh, he's like, well, mom's not going to be home for a few hours. And <laughs> wow, what a voice. I, hey, that was pretty close <laughs> to what he did, right? It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Yeah. Chris is struggling in school. So he's like grounded technically for his birthday. Yeah. And so there's a big party. The neighbor tattles on him. Yo, remember address books? She like looks up Miranda Hillard, the mom's in the like, like yellow work pages number. And no, it's like in her personal address book. Oh, was it? That's yeah. even better. Instead of, like, your cell phone being pre-programmed. Um, so, Are you yeah. having to memorize numbers? It's so weird. I never dial numbers anymore. I know, like, three people's numbers. Yeah, but I don't ever type them in, you know? Oh, I type in my grandma's, my mom's, and yours. Why? That's just, it's faster than going through my contacts. You can favor people. Anyway, That's we digress. <laughs> so, Miranda, as she's getting this phone call from the neighbor... She works as, like, an architect designer To kind person. of, like, an interior, like, a very talented interior designer. Yeah. And she was personally requested for a renovation of, like, a mansion. And she heads home as that's happening. Or, I guess, she gets personally requested for this interior decoration. And that's when we are introduced to the idea of a character named Stuart. Stu Dunmire. Which... Gets her all weak need. So. She's very excited. It's a it's a big get, and it seems like there's a personal connection. Personal history. So Miranda goes home. Mom comes home. Busts a party. Her and Daniel have a big fight, oh. which ends up with Miranda saying that she wants to get a divorce. And oh my god, that scene was incredible. So good. It was so, so much emotion. You see both sides. It was heartbreaking. It was so human. 
they went through so many emotions, anger, sadness, like compassion. It was, it was so human. I just, I adored that scene. I think a lot of movies that I've seen that feature divorce and in one person asking for divorce, either very clearly paint another person as the villain Mm -hmm. or aren't able to show that full range of emotions. They didn't paint anybody as the villain. It felt so realistic. It was beautiful and heartbreaking. The one thing that killed me was she's like, Daniel, we don't have anything in common. And he goes, sure we do. We love each other. And she's just silent. Broke my heart. I mean. He's like, we love each other, right? It killed me. It was unbelievable. I mean, going into this, my head was like, it's a comedy movie, right? Because I hadn't seen it in a while. And then they slap you right in the face with that ridiculously human connection. I was blown away. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Really, really beautiful. And, And both of the actors in the scene, tremendous job. We talk about this a few times, too, in terms of like old movies not using cuts very much. Like no cuts. It was just a human scene focusing on their faces. Really sad. And then the kids, you see like the kids listening on the stairwell to the whole argument. Yeah. So yeah, it was very, very, very sad. Um, so Daniel goes to stay with his brothers. Uh, well, his brother and his brother's partner. Brother-in-law. Brother-in-law? That's his brother-in-law, right? No, that's his brother. And his brother-in-law. Oh, my goodness. I thought you were trying to say that one of them was Miranda's brother and i was like what are you talking about yeah his brother and brothers i'm like yeah brother and brother-in-law yeah exactly in my notes i wrote brothers apostrophe s but i didn't pronounce it correctly and anyway he goes to his brother's house who we are shown does like stage makeup and prosthetics for for different movies and tv shows Mm -hmm. which comes up later really funny scene of his daniel's brother on the phone with their mom oh my god yeah because the brother is like translating the conversation between daniel and his mom and he's like the guy in between another one that's just so realistic like who among us has not done that between our family members you know when like our brother or sister or somebody doesn't want to talk to our mom he's like mom wants to know if you want to stay with her for a while and he's like god no and then he goes ma he says he'll think about it so good (laughs) so funny and so jump to court Daniel loses custody of his kids. He's only allowed to see them on Saturdays, mainly because he's not able to hold down a job. At least have a job, he's have a place for them to stay. And so Daniel gets assigned a court liaison. Um, Mrs. Seldner. Wonderful character. So Daniel lands a shipping job. And then we are introduced to, we have a scene of Stuart and Miranda together. And we get to see some of that historical tension that they were alluding to. Yeah, seems like they dated in college. Yeah. That's kind of the takeaway. And he's very interested in her current romantic status. Yes, very. It's and like, are you here for my designs or here for something else? And so right after that nice juxtaposition, we get Daniel having dinner with the kids and Miranda shows up an hour early. Another very human scene where he's just defeated that he's not getting all of his promised time with the kids. And this is when Miranda drops. She's hiring a housekeeper. She's placing an ad in the newspaper for a housekeeper. And so Daniel's like, housekeeper, you say? Snatches the ad that she's about to post in the newspaper and changes some numbers well, so he, nobody can apply. Yeah, he first asks, oh, I can watch the kids after school. Like, I can totally do that. And she's like, no. So that's why he kind of, he does, I just want to say for the record, he does ask for this job in advance. He does, yeah. But yeah, not only address books, but do you remember newspaper ads? I mean, those are still a thing. Yeah, but I remember (laughs) like as a kid in school, you had to practice writing one out. Like that was a writing assignment. That is not anything I ever had to do. 
Yeah. No. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, so then we get a fantastic scene of Daniel Robin Williams doing all of the fake applicants and using his voice acting talents to be all of these different people. Mm-hmm. Tremendous. And some of that had to have been improv. It was so friggin' funny. So funny. Oh my God. And then it ends with him as Daniel doing the Mrs. Doubtfire voice, finally doing the final applicant, having it be Mrs. Doubtfire and getting Miranda very, very excited about this fictional woman. Has experienced nannying kids for years, just sounds like an intelligent, trusting soul compared to some of the other people that have called in for the ad. And then immediately cuts to Daniel going back to his brother and having one of my favorite lines of the film, can you make me a woman? And his brother responds like, what is he I thought you'd never ask. I thought you'd never ask. He was so excited. A little bit might not have aged as well, but it was it was funny. Well, it's just a scene of them doing up. They try a bunch of different looks for Daniel to be a woman. And uh, it's just really funny. They try to go kind of light with just makeup and a wig. And then they go into. And he just always looks like a man. Yeah. What is it? What do they say? He's like, he has five o'clock shadow and it's eight in the morning. Yeah, or something. I think the bigger <laughs> problem is he has five o'clock shadow and it's 830 a.m. My favorite line is something like, I'm just going to do a little bit of light spackling on his face. <laughs> yes. Really got me. And so, yeah, they completely make him over into Mrs. Doubtfire. So he heads to his old home with Miranda and has his interview, which he crushes, obviously. The only thing that was bad with this scene is unrealistically fast tea. Like he put the tea down to boil and then it was just done like 30 seconds later. That bothered me. A little nitpick. It can't be a perfect movie. Are you kidding me? No, I wrote it down. I just like how she's low-key. By, by she, I say Mrs. Doubtfire is like low-key shitting on Miranda for having the kitchen so labeled and organized. Yeah, that was really fun. It, you could tell it was kind of something that Daniel always kind of like hated hated at when he lived there. And so he was picking on her for it, but undercover. Yeah. What is it when you compliment someone, but it's like, like a backhanded compliment kind yeah. of? Not even that. That's not quite it. There's a word for it. I can't. Underhand? I don't know. Compl assault? I'm going to make that up. Trademark. Compl assault? Like insult? Compliment? Nope. Okay. Never mind. That's certainly not it. Mm-mm. That's really no, a mouthful. it was bad. <laughs> Get it out of here. <laughs> Anywho, he gets to meet the kids as Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, yeah. That was fun. And then he, he nails the job. Yeah. So he's feeling elated, heads home, and uh-oh. Forgot that he was supposed to meet with his court liaison, Mrs. Selner's home, and he runs into her in his Mrs. Doubtfire garb. Yeah. This and is that fantastic scene. She's there to inspect the home. So uh, when Daniel gets his reevaluation of the courts after three months to get partial custody, she's there to like inspect things, I guess. Yeah. So Daniel says that Mrs. Doubtfire is his sister. And so he has this great scene of him running back and forth as Mrs. Doubtfire, then Daniel, then Mrs. Doubtfire again unfortunately accidentally throws his mask out the window and also unfortunately it says oh my sister makes a great cup of english tea and mrs summer is like oh tea would be great so yep. he's got to like transition back and forth to make the tea and then also be daniel and complete the interview so he goes to make tea and this is when in the intro you said oh. it too fantastic scene probably the, the best scene of the whole movie i don't know if i'd go that far but it's definitely up there it's great but there's well there's the bits about with all the puns where he's undressing and turning back into Daniel. That was I like to keep absurd. you abreast of a few changes. Holy crap. So this is another thing that stuck out to me. I think puns are like in right now. 
or have been for like a little puns while. Puns were never out. But the way people do puns now just seems so lazy when you compare it to this. These puns were A++++, five gold stars, gold medals, sweep the category. It was unbelievably great. They were hilarious. So Daniel is changing from Daniel back into Mrs. Doubtfire to make tea for Mrs. Selner. And as he's changing into Mrs. Doubtfire's clothes and bodysuit and everything, he's narrating as Daniel all the changes he's made in his life to get a job and maintain a house. But each of them maps to what he's undressing, basically. So he's talking, keep you abreast. I've made two big changes. At one point he says, like... I'm coming into shape. Coming into shape. Like, he says something about very hairy when his hairy chest is out. Like, it was... Things were hairy there for a while or something. But But this is when his mask is accidentally knocked out the window and, uh, like, a fire truck runs over it. Yeah. And so, face falls out the window. He's trying to, as Mrs. Doubtfire, go out and grab it. Mrs. Selner turns around. He has to run into the kitchen, smush his face into his meringue cake. Very and that's convenient. when we get he had a cake. <laughs> very convenient for a bachelor of all things, too. That's when we get that fantastic scene of it dripping into the tea. And fun fact, you found this out doing a little research. Oh, yeah. So the cake, him shoving his face into the cake was planned. But it was so hot in the kitchen from the cameras that the cake dripping off his face into the teacups wasn't planned. And he just went with it. So all those lines improvised, like, would you want cream and sugar, one drop or two? That's all Robin Williams being a genius and just going with the flow. Yeah. So like that whole, and it's a very long bit. It's like maybe a minute. Yeah. Was all improvised and they kept it like brilliant. Oh, and my favorite line, whenever I'm getting sweaty personally, I always say I'm melting like a snow cone in Phoenix. And it's from (laughs) this movie. And I didn't, I didn't like ever think about why I said that all the time. It didn't like click for me. That was a Mrs. Doubtfire reference. And I was watching this. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, that's from this movie. So yeah, that scene is wonderful. And then we go back to Mrs. Doubtfire being Mrs. Doubtfire. Her her first full day of work with the kids. She is making them all do chores and stuff to kind of like be a hard ass and win them over. Make them do homework. Yep. Because he wants to make sure that Miranda keeps him around. And then it ends with him trying to make dinner, which goes horribly. Daniel is not somebody who cooks very often. And so... Everything that could possibly go wrong goes wrong, including him, like, catching himself on firing and, like, b- basically melting his fake breasts. His fake, yeah. And then he, like, takes the pots and he, like, puts the fire out <laughs> with the two pot lids. And then wears a cardigan for the rest of the scenes so you yeah. can't see the burned blouse. Quickly orders dinner out and plates it like he made it himself. And that's how he wins over his oldest daughter, Lydia, actually, is she was kind of, like, down and out on Mrs. Doubtfire. Because she was making them do homework. They couldn't watch Dick Van Dyke after school. And she wanted Daniel to watch them. Yeah, she wants her dad to be there. But Lydia finds out how much her mother appreciated Mrs. Doubtfire starting dinner and seeing her mom happy. Um, She ended up actually apologizing to Mrs. Doubtfire and thanking her. I loved that scene. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really cool character development for for Lydia. And so, yeah. Then we get a montage. Yeah, I actually wrote the exact same thing. We got a little hangout montage. An effective montage, I thought, compared to some of the other movies we've watched. Yeah, it was nice. It helped progress the plot. It, like, gave us an opportunity to see the characters bonding, but not show it as much as, like, maybe Free Willy would have. That would have been (laughs) another hour of movie instead of five minutes. The kids bonding with Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire 
being a great nanny. And, like, learning how to do more nannying, like, watching mm-hmm. the Julia Childs film and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's all done to the music of Dude Looks Like a Lady by Aerosmith, yep. too. And having the great one of Mrs. Doubtfire sweeping and, like, playing the guitar on the and broom and stuff. Vacuuming and stuff. It was, like, an iconic scene, I feel Oh, like. fun fact. I had that vacuum growing up. My mom had that exact vacuum. I hope you still have it. I don't think she does. Oh, that's so sad. We end up having a scene with Mrs. Doubtfire heading over to the house. Stuart is there with Miranda. They got home early. And he sees them kissing from the window. Uh, Daniel does. And so... He ends up, or maybe it's not from the window. Can't remember quite. Cr- there is a scene in the montage, and she, like Mrs. Doubtfire flips off Stu. But yeah, like the next scene directly after is Mrs. Doubtfire actually meeting Stu at the house. Yeah, and so he also rips off the medallion from Stu's Mercedes and uh, does a lot of insults right to Stu's face. Oh yeah, blat- uh, like right in your face, like not even trying to be subtle insults. Yep. And then Miranda asks Mrs. Doubtfire for some love advice and mrs doubtfire suggests that the only way to the only action that she can take after her divorce is lifelong celibacy yeah once the father of your children is out of the picture yeah lifelong total celibacy celibacy. my favorite insult though in this scene from mrs doubtfire to Stu is Stu. that's a thick soup not a name and then mrs doubtfire is at the house watching the kids and has to go to the bathroom. Daniel goes in, pees like a man. Chris doesn't notice, walks in, gigs up. Catches him. Pretty funny scene of him being pretty upset, thinking that they have, like, an intruder in their house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Daniel has to reveal himself as Daniel to the kids. Not to um, Natalie, though. Not Yeah, not the youngest daughter. Yeah, just, she, uh, they're like, she can't keep a secret, so we're not going to tell her. Yeah. And so... Pretty early in the movie. it was. I was actually really surprised. Mm-hmm. I didn't remember being that early. And so, yeah, we cut to Daniel doing his job at the movie business that he's working for, I guess, TV show. He's like shipping boxes, but it's actually like a TV. Yeah, TV company. company. And he sees this children's dinosaur, dinosaur show going very poorly and kind of shit talks it to who ends up being the exec of <laughs> the, show. the show. That'll come up later. And... We end up having that really fun pool scene where Mrs. Doubtfire is invited to the pool with Stu, like the country club with Stu and the kids. And then the dino show happens again. This one's important because Daniel is actually doing his own little dino show with the set. And the exec sees him again, asks if he would like to go to dinner with him to talk about some of his ideas for kids shows. Mm-hmm. Daniel is elated and accepts. And then... As Mrs. Doubtfire, the next day, he is invited to dinner for Miranda's birthday. With Stu and the kids. At the same restaurant, at the same time. Bridges, 7 p.m. Somehow, Daniel makes the stupidest possible decision that you can make in a movie beside going into the basement where the killer was last seen. I know, right? And decides to go to this restaurant well i think it was in line though because it's his youngest daughter begging him to go it was and like that's his whole motivation for everything is his kids so it makes sense that he had a hard time saying no to his daughter so he ends up going and attempting to do this thing where he rapidly undresses in the changing room goes have dinner with the exec for a little bit runs back changes back in has dinner with the kids it doesn't go very well and he ends up having Four doubles of scotch. So that would be eight shots of scotch. 
And Chardonnay as Mrs. Um, Doubtfire. In like a, like a 10 minute period. I would have been on the floor. Oh my god. I I was like getting woozy just looking at him do it. He also finds out that Stu is deadly allergic to pepper apparently. And ends up sneaking into the kitchen in his inebriated state and peppers Stu's food. Oh jeez. Not the best move. He runs back to the table and with the executive and is like still dressed as Mrs. Doubtfire. And he's like, Daniel, what are you doing? And he's like, very quick on his feet. Yeah, great. Meet the host of your new show, which I thought was really funny. But as this is happening, Stu starts choking. He has to run over and save him. Because he put pepper on his freaking food. Yep. And as he's doing it, his, his mask gets caught and starts falling off. The kids and family recognize him as Daniel. And another great Ugh. Scene with Sally Field. Phenomenal. Her, her reaction to that was just brilliant. Oh my god. So much emotion while she's just saying Daniel over and over again. Yeah. Shock. Daniel. Anger. Daniel. Daniel. Upset. Like, oh. Hurt. Betrayed. So much. I I really was blown away by I that I have to scene. go. We have to go. We have to go. I, I It was so human and relatable. I Like I said, I in a lot of ways, her... Limited screen time, like, stole the show for me. Oh, every single minute she was in it, she was phenomenal. Yeah, that scene especially was, like, crazy. I hope she got nominated for something just for that scene. But anyway, has to go back to court and loses full custody of his children, very understandably. The judge was like, you're a great actor. You lied to your whole family. They didn't know it was you. How do I know you're not just saying this stuff now to get your kids back? And you also dressed up as a woman to basically break and enter into your old home to watch your kids like questionable at best questionable at best as a kid i was like why are you taking away his their their dad as an adult i'm like those are some red flags just a little deceiving little deceiving anyway daniel gets the tv show as mrs doubtfire and it's really touching his kids get to see him as mrs doubtfire and so the kids and miranda all watch the show together which i thought was really sweet and it ends up with miranda Asking him back and saying, do you want to be our, like, do you want to take the kids after school and stuff? Yeah, and goes to the court and, you know, has the court change their decision and recognizes, oh, Daniel's a good dad. And he just wants to be with his kids. And- yep. So that is Mrs. Delphire. Yeah, ends with um, Daniel picking up the kids from school and then a wonderful voiceover from Mrs. Doubtfire on her new show talking about different kinds of families. Oh, man. Yeah. How could I forget that? That was really nice. I think I wrote down exactly what one of the lines she said was, some kids live with their aunts and uncles, some kids live with their grandparents, some kids with live with foster parents. I just love that it, she was explicitly calling out like all of these different styles of parenting. Because, you know, as a kid, you might not get that, you know, like things like orphans and foster kids are not in like everyday kid vernacular. And I think normalizing that for on that kid's show is really, really cool. We're just saying you might live with your grandparents, but have an aunt and uncle. You might have like multiple parts to your family. You yeah. Know? She said, all that matters is love. I thought that was a absolutely tremendous way to close the film, especially because Daniel and Miranda don't get back together. Yeah. And you I was of, so happy with that. Mm-hmm. You kind of saw that coming from the beginning all the way to the middle, the conversation they had kind of in the middle about how they're just better apart from each other. And saying she still had a lot of qualities she loved about him, but they just didn't bring out the best in each other, you know? Yeah. Some parents are better when they're not with each other. 
I'm going to go a little out of order just because I, uh, I don't think anybody is going to be surprised by this. It was an obvious wine, obviously a wine. And one thing that really made it a wine for me is how socially responsible it was. Mm. It was a great way of talking about a lot of, I mean, this was 1993 and I think they did a good job of talking about things that were still kind of taboo in Hollywood at the time. I just, I was really, really, really impressed by that. Mm-hmm. And that's partially, I mean, obviously, even without that, it would have been a wine because it was hilarious and tremendously acted and well-written and like perfectly scripted and blocked and everything. Well-paced, I thought, too. Um, but even on top of that, I wrote down the best wines are socially responsible. And that really, really stood out to me. It was great. I loved it. This is wine for you. You'll have to wait and see. Okay. Well, I skipped No, it's ahead. obviously a wine. <laughs> um, Cat's out of the bag. So jumping back out, we talked already about some of the stuff that stood, stood out to us. Is there, is there anything else that stands out to you? I liked how right from the beginning of the movie, with Daniel doing the voice acting, you just saw how dynamic he was and able to do different voices, how talented he was, and how he can, he can pull off like toggling between characters so quickly doing voices for all the characters in that cartoon and then we had the cut scene of him and mrs selner and she's like trying to find him a job she's like do you have any special skills he's like oh i do voices and he just whips out in a bunch of different cutscenes, like 10 10 almost 10 or 15 different voices oh and impressions God. that might have been my best scene i loved oh my that God, poor mrs selner scene. But yeah, just showing that dynamic skill set he has in that, it really made it believable then that he could subsequently pull off this Mrs. Doubtfire character yeah. like successfully and fool his own family. Really didn't need much suspension of disbelief for no. this movie. I loved how that scene ended with him, with Mrs. Selner, though, when he said, uh, she, I think she asks him, like, you think, Do you you're, think funny. you're funny? And he says, uh, I found myself funny, but today you proved me wrong. Thank you. Because she didn't crack a single smile or laugh at all during yeah. all of his impressions. That must have taken them like a full, a full three days to film. Poor Mrs. Selner. Her name is, uh, she's played by Anne Haney. She had probably the hardest scenes with Robin Williams. She had the scenes where he's doing all the impressions in the office and she's not allowed to laugh or find him funny. And then she does that whole scene where he has his face in the cake and he's doing Which the one drop or two. Uh-huh. And she didn't crack a single smile or break character. I don't know how she did it. I no idea. I mean, that was magical. So yeah, that was that was hilarious. Did anything else stand out to you? I think, yeah, Robin Williams, just like the dynamic character he played and just showing his raw talent really stood out to me. And then incorporating that into his character. But then also Mara Wilson's character, Natalie. Like, she just really, like, stole every scene she was in. She was just so adorable, so earnest, so cute. Talking about, like, who's going to finish Charlotte's Web with me? And he's like, oh, Grandma can do it. And she's like, she smells funny and she doesn't do the voices. I I loved how you could see, like, the real-life actor, uh, Mara Wilson, as a six-year-old, like, really focusing on saying the lines correctly like enunciating it but also acting it was so cute she She was was adorable i don't think she was acting she was just natalie it was really great i loved that she had some great lines like the amoebic dysentery which i touched on before yeah yeah i wrote down perfect casting all the way across the board the kids were great they looked like a family that was really jarring like that you could tell me that they were actually related and they they hired three brothers and sisters and i'd be like yeah that makes sense i could see that One thing that also stood out to me was I like that they added some scenes of 
Mrs. Doubtfire, because she was such a passing woman, having, like, a really hard go of it. Like, the bus driver, like, sexually harassing her and mm, he getting like her, her, almost getting her purse stolen and stuff. Oh, and then, um, like, Daniel actually, like, beating the crap out of the mugger. Yeah. Some of that stuff was kind of was kind of cool. him just even lamenting about how heels are so uncomfortable. And then we talk about this in a, a couple times, too, is, like, when we rewatch some of these funny movies, what, seeing what might have gone over our heads as kids, there's specifically one line of joke telling where he's talking about oh, how... I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that scene where he where robin williams daniel is talking about how his wife has a sex toy in her in in her bedside table and is also insinuating that she has crabs to stew so it's when he's playing mrs doubtfire and saying it to stew to try and like turn off this guy from his ex-wife yeah because Stu took them out for her birthday and bought her an expensive gift and mrs doubtfire is like are you trying to get it basically yeah that scene completely went over my head as a kid, obviously. Knew nothing about the, what they were talking about. I was like, oh my god, that's wildly inappropriate. She basically was like, you know, she basically said like, I wonder, I hope your equipment is a jackhammer. Yes. competing with like a vibrator or something yeah. ridiculous. Oh my god, how funny. So rude. I, can you imagine? No wonder. Oh my god. No wonder she freaked out when she found out it was Daniel. Exactly. Well, obviously the big one that stood out to me, it was just, it was almost bittersweet watching this movie because of Robin Williams passing. That was really sad. It just made me Mm. miss him. Like what a talent, what an absolute talent. He was incredible. This movie was just sensational. We were reading somewhere that Tim Allen was originally potentially slated to play Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm -mm. That would not have been a very good movie comparatively. Mm -mm. Robin Williams completely made this movie might have been a milk if it was someone else if it was anyone else playing it i feel like this movie would genuinely be a milk yeah i don't know that they could have made a genuinely creepy premise so wholesome so that that was sad just watching it and really missing his his presence on screen but i think for me one of the things that really i don't know is like weirdly nostalgic i mean it's almost weird to call this nostalgic but just the portrayal of divorce was like I don't know. It was very human, I thought. Watching Daniel and Miranda fight for their kids' time, but also the little things that they valued was very reminiscent to me. Just like how absolutely defeated Daniel got when when she was an hour early. But then also Miranda's very reasonable side of like, I have all this stuff to do. I just need it to be done. And I don't know. It was, yeah, like I said, it was, it was weirdly nostalgic for me because that was what my parents went through our their divorce was significantly more amicable than this but i thought they did a really really good job portraying how meaningful time with your kids is to parents especially to parents who don't get to see them full time mm-hmm. and Where i thought it was goddamn great. kids too yeah one of the best lines yeah i it was just like like i said so much of this movie was so realistic and so human to me which is a big part of why i thought it was just so beautiful mm-hmm. and like more more beautiful than a comedy movie really has business being and that was a big part of it for me as a child of divorce it was just really realistic and like sad like you really it really does a good job making you feel sympathetic for both mm-hmm. parents which i think is 
crazy hard to do. Yeah. I think as a kid, I was more sympathetic to Daniel, but now that I'm older, I definitely see a lot more of Sally Field's side Yeah, to everything. Your dad didn't dress up as a woman to spend more time with you? No, not that I know of. Did he not love you as much as Robin Williams loved his kids? I guess not. (laughs) Actually, it's more that he's not as talented at voices. (laughs) You know what? I could see your dad trying to pull that off. Yeah. At least changing the ad numbers on the housekeeper's paper thing. (laughs) He definitely would have done that. In In a loving way. It was um, it was phenomenal. It was really beautiful. And like I said, I'm so happy that it ended with them not getting back together. Mm-hmm. It didn't need a happy ending, like that over-the-top happy ending at all. It stood its ground, and I think it was better for it. I think it still was a happy ending. Yeah, like... They reconciled. They had, like, uh, Daniel and Miranda still had an understanding and respect for each other yeah. at the end. And the kids still got to see both their parents. It wasn't a kitschy happy ending Mm -hmm. where it was like they had to wrap every single inch of it with a beautiful shiny bow it was a realistic happy ending where every character got what was likely best for them Mm -hmm. and again that's just a thing that made it more human that's the thing that i'm struggling with with movies nowadays is sometimes they just wrap it up too nicely and it's like this isn't real this this was real and I loved it. Yeah. I also liked the idea of like reverse gender roles, especially in the early 90s, where Miranda yeah. was very powerful and had a very good career and was the breadwinner. And Robin Williams was the one that was maybe struggling to maintain employment and then like does a lot of the housework when he becomes Mrs. Doubtfire and like a lot of like the child rearing and cleaning and cooking and things like that. And just um, I kind of like that piece to it, too. Yeah. One thing, though, when I was a kid and I watched a scene at the Bridges restaurant where Daniel is going back and forth between Mrs. Doubtfire and Mm. himself, as a kid, that scene was really funny to me. As an adult, it I just, like, had a hard time watching it because it was so incredibly stressful. We both got, like, really antsy and, like, couldn't really, like, look at the screen too long. Oh, I couldn't say present. I, like, checked my phone. I was like, oh, my gosh, you can't be checking your phone right now. I I was, like... I'm checking my phone so that please, God, just let this be over faster. Because I knew exactly what was going to happen, and I hated every second of it. <laughs> getting drunker and drunker. Yeah. Uh, struggling. You could see Jack Lundy getting irritated that Daniel was quote-unquote late. Yeah. And then the kids getting frustrated because they couldn't order their food or eat their food. It was just hard to watch. I think it was especially bad because I've now lived things similar to that. You know, I've lived through awkward moments and like not being prepared for meetings and whatever, Mm -hmm. but just throwing every single one of them on top of each other. And then also like your worst nightmares about social interactions all into one. Oh my gosh. The one, one of my favorite lines from that movie is when Mrs. Doubtfire's false teeth fall out into her Mm. wine glass with the kids. And uh, she goes carpe, carpe dentum. Very good. (laughs) So yeah, my gosh, it was great. So I skipped ahead. How did it age for you? I, I do want to point out there was a couple jokes in there that were probably off color didn't age well, specifically mm. about people who might be trans or like enjoy cross dressing or things like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they also, and you know, maybe this is how these characters preferred to be referred to. I don't think it probably was. It was, it seemed more like a joke. Uh, where Daniel says that he got the prosthetics and all of the makeup and stuff mm-hmm. from, Uncle. he says he got it from Uncle Frank and Aunt Jack. Yeah. Which, like I said, probably se- seemed like a joke. So there was definitely some stuff where it reminds you that it was an early 90s movie mm-hmm. um, that, that didn't age especially well. 
Yeah. And even before Mrs. Doubtfire becomes a thing, there's some, like, jokes about when he's doing all the calls in, like, the fake calls for the job. There's some jokes about trans people in there as well. So I do want to point that out because I think it's important to say. As a whole, I think the movie was pretty progressive for the 90s, but there are some things that might have aged a little milky. Yeah. There's also some pop culture references that I didn't get, especially when they were making him into Mrs. Doubtfire. I think they were referencing a lot of, like, female cultural icons that I had no idea who they were. Mm -hmm. So those just weren't as funny because I couldn't... (laughs) I had no idea what they were talking about. Yeah. But I mean, like, that one's pretty nitpicky. Yeah. I would say as a whole, like, looking at the entirety of the movie, I would say it definitely aged like a wine. Yeah. It was great. I would watch it again. And to anybody listening, I would highly recommend that you watch it. If you've never seen it, pause our podcast and go watch it. If you have seen it, definitely revisit it. It was great. Agreed, 100%. Before we go, I do have a little fun fact. Hit me with it. It took Robin Williams four and a half hours to transform into Mrs. Doubtfire. That's insane. That's insane. That is more time than I have spent getting ready probably this whole pandemic. Like in totality? Yeah. From March until Until, right now in September? Yeah. Fair enough. Right? Like, I haven't taken that. (laughs) I haven't done anything that requires that much work in this whole pandemic. That's more than a full, like, that's more than one half of a full work day. Yeah. Just getting hair and makeup done. That's half of your work day and your lunch break right there. What's a lunch break? (laughs) It's fair. I was also wondering, because a lot of that was, like, rubber. That outfit must have been absurdly hot. Well, it makes it even funnier to me because if you think about that, and then he's doing that bathroom scene in Bridges where he's changing between characters, and it's like four and a half hours. There's no way it's possible for him to. Oh my god, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. That scene must have taken them like five days to film. Or, well, they, mean, oh. they probably filmed all the Mrs. Doubtfire scenes one oh. day and all the Daniel scenes another day. So two two days. Yeah. I don't know how long it takes to film a scene. I have no experience yeah. in the industry. Whatsoever. They probably didn't need to. Toggle do back it in chronological order. order. No, that's not how movies are filmed. I yeah. would say uh, <laughs> it also makes a scene with Mrs. Uh, Selner where he's trying to change back into Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, like it just gives. Well, that a one didn't bit need of... the prosthetic, luckily, but it did need everything else. They didn't try to cover his hairy legs in that no. scene either. <laughs> no, and Robin Williams. Very hairy man. Oh, that was the other thing I loved is because Mrs. Doubtfire was giving Miranda so much advice about her new relationship with Stu, like obviously trying to sabotage the relationship out of jealousy. Oh my God, that was really funny. Yeah. At one point, Mrs. Doubtfire is like, oh, my type is short, furry, and funny, which is how Daniel's describing himself and self-describing, which I thought was hilarious. Trying to get uh, some bonding time with Miranda but also push her in the mm-hmm. right direction. Oh, I also can't not acknowledge one of my favorite lines in the movie is when Stu does invite them to the pool and Stu's playing in the water with the kids and Miranda and Mrs. Doubtfire is sitting at the bar drinking beers. And I love how Mrs. Doubtfire is never in character when she's not around the family. Oh my god. And she just is like Daniel just comes out in full force. Yeah, and she's like, "What are you looking at?" Like hitting on women <laughs> at the bar. But uh at one point Mrs. Doubtfire overhears Stu shit-talking Daniel, and Mrs. Doubtfire grabs, like, a lime or a lemon and chucks it right at the back of Stu's head. Like, full bullseye, really hits the target, great throw, and goes, it was a run-by fruiting. This man just (laughs) ran by and threw the fruit at you. It's so good. That was great. 
And while we're on the topic of Stu slash Pierce Brosnan, Ugh. boy, did he ever age like wine. Look, look him up right now. I saw a picture of him oh, the he other looks day. Great. He has a beard and this like great slick back look. Oh my God. If I could age a quarter as good as that, I will be a very happy man. He is James Bond. You know, he one looks of incredible. the many James Bonds, but James is Bond. James is bonded. Like it's attorneys general. James is Bond. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> Yeah, he's wonderful. I mean, he's also in one of my other great 90s movies, Dante's Peak. Boy. If you ever have if you ever have the pleasure of hearing us talk about Dante's Peak, you're in for a ride. Oh, boy. Uh, he's also in one of my least favorite movies, Mamma Mia. Love musicals. Hate that one. What do you have against ABBA? I don't know. I just don't like him. Not an ABBA guy. Huh. Maybe it's because it's a palindrome. It's that not makes a fan. it better, I think, if anything. No. Cheapens it. <laughs> Anywho, Pierce Brosnan is he's he did a phenomenal job. I always wanted to know like what happens with him and Miranda. Does he see that shit show at Bridges and like hightail it the f- out of there? It seems like he does. It they don't show him, so it, there's a good chance that he's just like, all right, this is too crazy. I for mean, me. to be I fair, it's insanity, and also he got like borderline murdered by having pepper put on his food by yeah. his now girlfriend's ex husband, which I feel like probably could have been brought up during the court trial, but wasn't. As another reason that he probably shouldn't have custody of his kids. That's got to be some kind of assault charge. Oh, for sure. Yeah. At the very most, it could be like attempted murder. Yeah. Anyway. So despite the (laughs) attempted murder and the sometimes off-color jokes, uh, great movie. Great movie. 10 out of 10. Definitely watch it if you uh, have some time. It was great. No matter how recently you watched this one, watch it again. Agreed. So what are we watching next? We are going to be watching one of my childhood favorites, and again, we say this every time, Rookie of the Year. It's baseball season right now when we're recording. It's uh, end of September, so baseball season's winding down, I guess, and I don't know. I'm feeling a little nostalgic for for some baseball movies. Uh, there's lots of baseball movies I could have picked. There's, let's see, Sandlot, uh, Field of Dreams. Rookie of the Year, tons of others. Angels in the Outfield. Angels in the Outfield. I feel like the 90s was like ripe for for baseball movies, especially ones for kids. But this one was always one of my favorites. I really liked it. And uh, I'm I'm interested to see how it holds up. I haven't seen it probably since like at the latest, the early 2000s. So I have no idea how this one's going to turn out. But I'm, I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful that it'll be good. I've never seen it. So this will be a first for me. I've never, I've seen all the other baseball movies you mentioned, but I love a good baseball movie. So I think it'll be entertaining at the very least. Yeah, I think you'll like it. So yeah, thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed and have a great day. Yeah, have a good one and see you next time for Rookie of the Year. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine or Milk podcast. If you'd like to find us online, you can visit www.wineormilkpodcast.com. No, no, it's um, https colon slash slash www.wineormilkpodcast.com. Oh my God. Yes. And you can also email us at wineormilkpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to find us on Instagram, <laughs> you can find us at wine or milk podcast. And if you'd like to see us on Twitter, you can find us at at wine or milk. 
And if you enjoyed our podcast today, we would really appreciate it if you rate, reviewed, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.